Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, and is it, is, is it Florence? Do people call you Florence? Is that. Uh, yeah yeah Florence well some of my friends call me Flo but generally Florence look I'm not your friend yet like maybe at the end of the conversation we might be best friends it's always such an awkward question because like (laughs) are you basically saying you're not allowed to call but yeah usually my answer is my friends some of my friends do but not all of them it's kind of their own personal preference but I don't mind you don't mind either way. No, but I just don't want to be in a conversation with somebody who like, who, you know, people never refer to them as their full name. And then you're suddenly like going, yes, uh, you know, or, or, or the other yeah. way around. I don't want to presume either, you know? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But uh, we, we will be best friends by the end of the chat, uh, Florence. So I'll be able to call you Flo at the end. Of yeah, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. It's the Keith Watch Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going, there's the things you didn't know, yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, give you energy like Buckfast, and if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast, yeah. Excuse me now till I fix my microphone, I should do that first, shouldn't I really? How is it going? How are things? Happy Monday. If you're listening to this, to this, to this, I really should do my vocal warm ups before I start talking. Um, happy whatever day it is you're listening to this, whatever time of the day it is. As I record this, it is quarter to eight on a Monday night. I tried to get up here early to get it finished and get it done and get it out. My wife needs the office to do a bit of work. But um, I'm not flying through this now at all, at all. There's a great bit of noise outside there's a lot of kids out playing uh they're socially distanced though i can never remember what way that sentence goes they're social distancing or they're socially distanced uh, and it was great to hear the voices of children outside playing um do i have any what's going on in the world at the moment we're still in lockdown i got an email from uh, the future kind of um from a listener who 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 emailed me from the future? His name is Philip. He said, uh, "Hey Keith, what's the haps?" Um, thank you very much, Philip. Uh, the haps is. I just discovered your podcast today on my way to the Golden Island Shopping Centre. Holy moly! What a cool the Golden Island Shopping Centre is the shopping centre in Athlone. There's the Athlone Town Centre, but which is cool. But the Golden Island Shopping Centre is the original. You know. Um, it was the Jason Byrne one and well even though I'm listening to this four months later not much has changed so you see it's an email from the future you're probably sick of getting emails like this I was going to wait till next year to send this Phil Phil you couldn't even wait till next year 
Uh, hope you're still podcasting. I'll have a look now and start listening to more. Thanks, Phil. I'm still podcasting, still going. And at some stage, you'll get to this one and hear your name read out with the help of God and his holy mother. Um, I feel like I should have loads of news. There's kind of mad stuff going on in the world, but stuff I can't really talk about. And, uh, um... Yeah, so I can't really get into it, but uh, yeah, plenty of rumours, news, uh, weird, bad news. Uh, they can't really be discussed. Um, and yeah, that's it. Someday I'll be able to discuss it all, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be able to talk about it all. I do have good news that I thought I'd be able to share tonight, but I can't until the next podcast. It's about pure mental. And I know I mentioned the good news about pure mental before, but just in case anyone hears it tonight... Uh, the news will be announced tomorrow, and it's good news about my play, so I'm looking forward to announcing that. Uh, it just means that, for this reason, this good news means that uh, we will be definitely going on tour. I know, I know. Um, anything else? Oh yeah, uh, I'm still trying to get this cartoon made, so what I want to do is get a section of the podcast animated. Uh, of like The chat with myself and Mike, get a section that animated and uh, it costs a bit of money, so it's like four, five hundred, six hundred euro. I'm not really sure exactly, but that's an estimate. I got an estimate from a guy. So if you want to donate some money to that, you can just go to the supporter link in the description of this podcast. Send us a few quid, whatever you can afford, 50 quid, 20 quid, 5 quid, 10 quid, 10 grand, whatever you can afford, whatever you can spare. If you give me 10 grand, we'll make loads of cartoons. Uh, and that that will go towards making an, a short little animation, 30 seconds a minute of the podcast. And then you can say, hey, I, you know, I had a hand, I had a part in getting that made. Alternatively, if you don't want to and, and you just think, fuck you, I'm giving you money to make a cartoon for your podcast, dick what? That's fine too. Right, okay, I've decided to uh, jump back in here to the intro for the podcast I put up last night because I really wanted to share my news which I couldn't last night, but it's out there now, so I've gone back in and uh, I've edited the intro to the podcast. Uh, we'll get to the guest in a minute, Florence Ordesh, who you all know. Um, but, yeah, listen, we just found out that I'm working on this play. It's a one-man show. Some of you might know about it. You might have seen the the work in progress we did during lockdown. We did it at the Riverbank Theatre, uh, the Riverbank Arts Centre, and um, they've produced it. We uh, applied for money, from a grant from the Arts Council, and uh, we were successful. We got the money. The Arts Council have given us the money to take Pure Mental, the one-man show, starring me, written by me, with Janet Moran, uh, directed by Janet Moran, on tour. Uh, so we're going to be doing a proper tour, hopefully the end of the year, all things going well, November, December. We still have to finalise the dates, but it's, it's just huge for me, um, you know, kind of having sort of left RTE and gone out my own and this is kind of indication it was just something I've always wanted to do finally did it wrote the damn thing um, with lots of help from other people and uh, now we're going to go on tour with it so I'm very excited and just you know obviously thanks to the Arts Council thanks to Janet Moran director and writer and thanks to um, the Riverbank Arts Centre who are producing it and have done all this and Alex who applied for it and and Linda and Phil and Caroline and everybody and my sister Anya as well. I, I, there's too many people to thank, but 
it's great news and that's it. I just wanted to come jump back in, re-record the intro and tell you that news. So thank you very much. Right, enough about me. It's time to meet our guest. It is, of course, actress Florence Ardesh. Uh, a little bit about Florence, just in case you didn't know. Uh, the stuff you might not know, although you should. Um, Florence uh, played the lead role of Rose Tate in Departure last year, which trended number one on global TV. She appears opposite Emmy Award-winning actress... Did you say actress or actor? Archie Punjabi and, uh, of course, the great late great Christopher Plummer, um, which is brilliant. She also uh, plays Briwan in Apple TV Plus new series Foundation, and uh, she also stars in Cold Courage as well. She's flying it, absolutely flying it. Um, she appeared first on small screen in 2011 in a miniseries called Ser Shin O Ulk for T.G. Cahar. And uh, she became internationally recognised when she was cast as archaeologist Mel Royce in Dublin Murders. She starred opposite Sarah Green, Killian Scott, Eugene O'Hare, Conleth Hill, Tom Vaughan Lawler, the legend, and Moe Dunford, the other legend. Not only is she a very successful actor um, and one of our finest on the international scene, uh, Florence also founded Cast and Hire, previously known as Ireland's Actors Guide, Cast and Hires, Ireland's number one collaborative and educational platform, housing thousands of members' profiles, in addition to digital masterclasses from industry experts such as award-winning editor Benjamin Mercer and dialect coach to the stars John Fleming. Is there anything she can't do, hasn't done? I believe there's more movies. Uh, and Extinction is a movie that she's working on at the moment, which we talked about briefly. Uh, I think there might be a screenplay or a book or both on the way. She's very busy. She's doing very well for herself. It is Irish actress, world star now. She's gone. She's left us. She'll never come back. Um, it is episode um, 76, I think, of the Keith Walsh podcast with Florence Ordesh. I'm in Vancouver at the moment. Mm. Yeah, how, yeah. How is Vancouver and how's lockdown been in Vancouver? And what, Tell us all about COVID in Vancouver. So it's actually, it's fine in Vancouver. I was in, in Toronto up until um, around Christmas. And just before I came to, so I came to Vancouver, my brother lives here. So wanted to come and spend Christmas with him and spend some time here. Um, so yeah, just before we moved from Toronto, it was going into lockdown. So it was all like indoor dining was closed, but patios were open. So you could go to a restaurant and sit out, but obviously it started getting really cold. Uh, so that wasn't great. Um, but then we got to Vancouver and everything was open, was great. Like you, you have to wear masks inside, um, but once you sit at a table, you can take them off. Um, going around shops, you have to wear masks indoors. So it's all the kind of general regulations, but still everything is open. Um, so it's not it's not bad in Vancouver. I hear Toronto now is full lockdown with a curfew and I'm going back to Toronto in a few weeks to um, finish off filming. Um, but I'm only going to be there for filming and then I'll come back to Vancouver. Wow. So why is Vancouver? What, what are the Vancouverians? What are they called? Uh, Vancouverites. Vancouverites. What are they doing that's special that they can get away with opening everything up? Um, I think so. Yeah, like me and my brother have been talking about like, why is it that this city, like Toronto is is not great. It's not in a good spot with COVID, whereas Vancouver is fine, like dealing with it really well. Um, So we're thinking the main differences are Vancouver is such an outdoor city. 
um, like everybody you know, finishes work early, goes out, you'll see people out rollerblading on the seawall, hiking, um, skiing. It's really outdoorsy. It's not a partying city. Um, it's a very family oriented, you know, if you go to even a bar, it'll, there'll be families there and, you know, then you kind of just have two beers and go home. It's not, not party, not late night um, drinking, whereas Toronto is. I suppose when you think about it, that it's, it's probably those places uh, like in Ireland, you know, bars and pubs and restaurants, you know, once people get a couple of drinks in them, they just can't behave themselves. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like the drinking then mixed with, I suppose, um, I don't know, that also is mingling and staying out longer. And yeah, mm. then you kind of just forget <laughs> the regulations. So yeah, probably a fact. That's our guess. That's our guess between the two cities, why it's so much better here. Is Vancouver more of a stoner city than... <laughs> It actually totally is. Like you walk down the street and you're going to smell weed at some point for sure. Um, but it's all, it's legal here in Canada. Yeah. 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 It's all good. It's, it's a good place to be. So, so you're, so what, like what about work and stuff? I mean, obviously you're, you're just taking a break at the moment. And, I, and when I say taking a break, you're, I presume you're working remotely and, and doing stuff, but you're, you're not, you're not actually filming at the moment then in Vancouver, are you? Uh, no, not filming right now, but yeah, I'll be back on set in a couple of weeks um, for a departure. So um, yeah, I'm going to be back into my American accent. My family go mad before I'm filming for a few weeks. <laughs> Just it's like a different person. I hate it. I hate having to speak in an American accent, but it's the best way to kind of dip back into it so I don't break when I'm on set. It would be weird if we were doing this podcast and you were like already in American accent mode. Yeah, I think I'd probably go back. If I was already in American accent mode, I think I'd probably just go back to mine for the podcast just because it would that would just be too weird. Like my family know um, and they're kind of, they put up with it, but yeah, it would it would be weird for you. You're like, who are you? <laughs> It'd be cool. But, um, and I presume there's no theatres open in Vancouver. Like are there actors working or, you know, is there, is there stuff happening in Vancouver that you're not involved in? Uh, no, there's no, there's no theatres. There wouldn't be any events like that. Um, like the closest that we've gotten to something like that was um, there was a singer, the singer comes to um, a restaurant close to where we're staying um, every Friday and he's, he's got the plexiglass all around him, but it's nice live music. That's, that's the closest I've seen to anything live like that. They should have brought the plexiglass in for singers years ago and it would have avoided all that stuff being thrown at them, especially the punks when people were spitting from the crowd. That would have been very handy, I think. So you're going back to film uh, Departure and I have to ask you about um, poor Christopher Plummer then. Mm, Yeah, well, so as far as I know, he was he was wrapped Um, so right now what they're filming is basically it was supposed to film in April last year, but then COVID hit and uh, like all the flights were grounded. It was supposed to film, I think in a couple of different countries. So they rewrote the scripts so that it was all based in, in, in Canada. And it's also um, based in Michigan, but all shot in Canada. Um, so they rewrote it a lot and kind of like, it's still the same story, but it with a little bit of a different take on it. And they shot, they so we finished shooting it then during COVID and now 
in the edit, they're realizing actually a lot of what we'd originally put in uh, got to do with some of the characters and the background story. It's not making sense without those scenes that they cut because they needed to shoot it in as short a period of time as possible as well. So those scenes that they took out, they're thinking they actually should put it back in. So that's what they've started shooting now, um, a couple of months after we've wrapped. And that's why I'm going to be going back on set as well. So it's not even, I suppose it's, I thought, I thought I was needed for pickups. Sometimes you're, you just miss, they don't like the shot, the shots don't match up and they need to pick something up, but they're actually just adding, adding scenes. And that's what I'm going back for. But as far as I know, um, Christopher Plummer was wrapped. Yeah. Yeah. So before, before COVID um, happened, his scenes were written, I think in a slightly different way, but then um, with the rewrite meant that he was actually going to be shooting at home. So the director and the crew went out to his house and shot his scenes from his house. Like I remember watching him in The Sound of Music as a kid. I absolutely loved that movie. And it was such a long time ago. And to think he seems still working away. I mean, it's it's testament, isn't it, to the man? And it's like, I mean, wow, what a career. And what like just to, to, to span the decades, you know, as you say, like, I, I mean... I remember, I would have thought, look at the sound of music when I was young, that he was not not an old man, but you know, I would have been thinking he was, you know, a proper man. Yeah, middle, yeah. Middle like, age, you know? <laughs> well, when you're a kid, you think, that's just yeah. an old guy. <laughs> just an old guy. And there he was still going and still working and still being brilliant. I mean, what a legend, in fairness. Yeah, yeah, like the oldest Os Oscar winner ever, I saw. Wow. Oldest person to ever win an Oscar. That's amazing. If I was a real film buff now, I'd have the I'd have the details on the you know the tip of my finger. I'd be able to say who, what it was and what the movie was. I, what I'll do is I'll put it into the intro. I'll put it into the intro. Yeah, yeah. Intro. I can't remember. Uh, I did. I read it the other day, um, but it's gone out of my head now. Can you tell me? Can you tell me a little bit about your your life before acting and how you got into it and what were you at Trinity? Was Trinity your first? I did actually, I went to Trinity, but I was, as a mature student, I decided to go and um, I got an MBA. So that was kind of a different thing. Okay. <laughs> a master's in business. Uh, but acting, so I've, I've been acting since I was little, since I was sent off to drama school as a kid in County Meath and uh, fell in love with it and decided this is what I want to do when I grow up. And then it actually stuck with me and it, you know, it never whenever my parents were like oh this is just you know she's a kid and she wants to be an actor but then I got older and I still wanted to be an actor and then I actually was like no I'm gonna go to Vancouver Academy of Dramatic Arts so after school I, I actually moved here to Vancouver I went to Vancouver Academy of Dramatic Arts and kind of got started here in this city and um, yeah moved back home then and, and got an agent and and continued on from Dublin but I got my first credits here and put my show reel together here and have my first agent here and then my my working visa run out so moved back to Dublin and sort of it was almost like starting from the beginning actually when I moved back to Dublin because it's it's a new it's a new city it's new casting directors casting directors don't know you the agents don't know who you are especially if you haven't trained in Ireland they don't recognize where you trained and so it means nothing to them um so I remember it being kind of tough then. I was like, God, I have to start from the beginning. And I've made all of this progress in, in North America uh, and no one cares in Dublin. So I just kind of started again, but it was fine. I signed with an agent and um, I ended up going for this show for TG4, Sir Shinawalk. So I don't speak Irish and all the scenes were, were in English, but then there was a narrator that comes in every 
like act and then he speaks in Irish in the background with subtitles so I went out for that was one of the was the first role I went for in Dublin and it was actually up in Belfast and uh, booked that so that's kind of my first thing in Ireland and this went went on from there. Wow and people would know you I suppose mostly from uh, Dublin Murders. Yeah, yeah, that because that show really took off yeah. internationally, didn't it? It was yeah. so big, um, which was awesome and such an amazing cast. Um, yeah, yeah, that that was probably yeah one of the one of the bigger, more recent things for sure. Yeah, um, and it was great to see something like that. Uh, I'm a big fan of that kind of genre of TV show, and it was great, just great to see Dublin. Uh, you know, um, on film like that, you know, on, on a, t- a successful television show. Um, so how does all that work then? How does it work with regards to, I mean, I don't really have a great sense. Of, I went, I actually studied acting uh, for a couple of years back in the day. And uh, <laughs> I, I think I went for three auditions and I didn't get them. So I gave up. Oh, um, really? I didn't realize. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> Nobody told me you'd go for hundreds of auditions. Yeah, yeah. The average is you go for 10. That's just the industry average I hear for every 10 auditions that you get one, apparently. So, so I mean, I mean, you coming back to Dublin and starting from scratch, having sort of, you know, gotten to a certain point in Canada. Um, like, how does that work then? I mean, obviously you're going for parts, but do you, you can't just like, you have to have an agent. Can you just get, Will people just call you up or can you just put your name into the pot or how, how what's the machinations behind it? Um, in Ireland, so you don't, I think you don't necessarily have to have an agent in Ireland and, you know, casting, casting, a lot of the casting directors are really on the ball. So if you send your, your portfolio, like your headshot and your showreel and your CV, if you're self-represented and you send that to the casting director, they should, you know, keep it on file and when they're casting something um, they sh- should and you'd hope as an independent actor that when they're casting something they'll go through their portfolio of self-represented actors and then just you know contact you and invite you in but that doesn't necessarily happen because that's you know like what casting director has time to go through the, the hundreds or maybe even thousands of independent actors and then just choose so if you're if you're lucky and and you're kind of a standout self-represented actors, the casting director would probably maybe remember you off the top of their head and say, oh, you know, this person actually would be perfect for this role. Um, if there's just something stand out about you that is actually also needed for that role and the casting director remembers and you're representing yourself, so they'll invite you in. But you know, I'd I I would think that you have much better chance by by having an agent because there's only a certain number of agents and the casting director will always send the brief to the agents. So then the agent looks through the brief and all of the roles that are being cast and then they'll look at their portfolio, their book of actors. And then they'll email the casting director and say, yeah, this actor will be right for that part. This other actor that I represent will be right for that part. So the casting director is sort of being presented with the right people um, from the agent. And then if they agree that you're that 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 actor is right, then they'll go back to the agent and say, okay, yeah, I I, I would like that person to audition. So you, you, I think you have a much better chance by having an agent. And it, a lot of people in Ireland say that you don't have to because it's smaller. But I would prefer to kind of have the safe bet and, and get an agent just to, I don't know, bring up my chances uh, abroad. 
yeah, you definitely need to have an agent if you're if you're a serious actor. Um, so you can't, so you got back to Ireland and got an agent, but you you kind of felt like there was because you you set up this um, cast and hire, mm. which was previously known as Ireland's Actors Guide. Uh, yeah, and that was because you felt like there was something missing in the industry, like because you had to start from scratch. Is that is that is that right? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was when I moved back home to Ireland, and there was just nowhere online for me to find information about acting, information about what casting directors are in the country or agents, um, or just info about the Irish industry in general. And I know, like, having lived in Canada, there there was different platforms in Toronto and Vancouver and I could see they were in LA as well but it just didn't exist in Ireland so I thought why don't I why don't I just create it myself uh, so I did and it sort of turned into something that was offline as well I did workshops with casting directors so I'd contacted the casting directors and asked them if they'd like to come in and do a day workshop with some actors because there was thousands of actors and had become members of Ireland Actors Guide. So I'd put out a newsletter whenever a casting director um, agreed to come in. And it was sort of a first come first serve thing where the first 30 actors that come back saying they'd like to go, especially if they'd never met that casting director before or never been auditioned by that casting director, then I'd have them come in and the casting director would sit down and do a Q&A and then one at a time, um, the actors would come up and do a duologue or maybe a monologue and the casting director would actually film it and critique them and give them feedback. And a lot of the time then after those those workshops, I remember the actors were called in by that same casting director to audition. So it was a great foot in the door. And even for me, um, organizing it, I got to meet the casting directors that I wouldn't have had a chance when I first went back to Ireland to have met in sort of a more relaxed setting. Um, and then I also organized some showcases that were live events at that time uh, where there was industry people that came to the audience and um, held, I held auditions through Ireland Actors Guide and hundreds of actors came along to audition, self-represented actors. So it was an opportunity for people to get agents. So the self-represented um, actors that auditioned, I picked the top 24 to come and do monologues and scenes then to uh, a room of industry professionals. So that was that was great at the time and got so much amazing feedback from people who then ended up getting agents or getting more auditions afterwards. Um, so yeah, that was a big success with Ireland Actors Guide. Wow. And now so now it's called Cast and Hire. And how is has it sort of changed in what it what it does now? Yeah, so Cast and Hire was completely revamped and relaunched to include crew members and filmmakers as well. Uh, before it was just the actor side and a lot of directors and, and filmmakers were asking me, can I put my, my profile somewhere? Is there anywhere that I can you know, get a job through the site because it was a jobs board for actors. Um, so I thought, why don't I just add on to it and relaunch and give the directors and producers and writers and all of the crew members an opportunity to um, build a profile and, and kind of put themselves out there and, and the producers to put jobs and kind of became a collaborative platform for everybody. Uh, and then there's digital masterclasses as well. So now everything has sort of gone online and the industry professionals who have something they, they feel they can teach um, have created digital masterclasses. So there's a masterclass section there as well. You like to keep yourself busy then Florence. <laughs> yeah. So busy. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I just always have these projects going on. 
it's but there's something in that though isn't there like is there like you know if you want something don't ask a busy person to do it like there's something in that i don't know if you've ever read a book um the artist's way it's like a course and it's a book and it's a journal and you know it's all about journaling every morning and you know thinking about what you want to do and if you're not working you should create your own work and all that kind of stuff so so there's 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 a a, a big element of that to obviously your approach to life and to work would that, would that be fair to say that if if you know if, if something's not there i'm going to create it. if the work isn't there i'm going to do something yeah yeah i'd say that um and i'm surprised i haven't actually I think I have heard of that book. I'll have to write that down, actually, The Artist Way. Um, I'm actually just typing now. Type it in but there, The Artist Way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have to read it. But yeah, that does actually sound a, a lot like many actors and filmmakers because it's the type of industry that you kind of have to, you know, push forward and create your own work. A, a lot of actors some would sit there and just hope that they get the auditions but most of them are kind of like no I'll, I'll get together with my friends I'll I'll write something I'll create a, a theater production um I'll you know I'll do it myself because otherwise you are just waiting you're waiting for the casting director um you're hoping that your agent will will try and get you an audition and then you're hoping that the casting director will like you but you're also hoping that there's a writer out there somewhere that's writing a role that'll even suit you because there might not be projects with any roles that suit you in any way it might not be the same age range it might not be the you know the type of characters that you can play so from the very beginning you 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 need the roles to be written and then when they are written you need your agent to fight for you and then you need the casting director to agree that you're right and then you actually need to win the role above the other pe pe people who could be suitable so there's so much going on behind the scenes that no matter how hard you work on your craft, you might not even, you know, have an opportunity to you read a script because it doesn't it doesn't exist for you. So, yeah, a lot of actors are saying, I'll, I'll write something myself. I'll create the art myself because we're artists. So nobody wants to sit there idle, especially when you're a creator. Yeah, and it's Julia Cameron, actually, uh, The Artist's Way, um, and she does a thing, she encourages people to do a thing called the morning pages, which is uh, where you just get up in the morning and, and you, you, you write uh, kind of without, without using grammar, without using uh, proper punctuation. You just write your thoughts on a page for three, three fool's cap pages, and uh, oh, yeah. it's a great way to kind of start the day. Um, yeah, Julia Cameron, I think she might have been, was she? I feel like she might have been Martin Scorsese's girlfriend or something at some point i don't know why that's in my head i could be wrong i'll have to check that as well and um, it's gonna be a lot of fact checking this particular <laughs> podcast but it and do you and she would say that you 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 know if you're not busy create something you know you, you're all because you, you never know what could come of something and where it might lead you and if you're if you're you know there's there, there tends to be a sort of a some people kind of might have you know the feeling well i'm not going to work if it's for free i'm you know i'm only looking for jobs that pay and stuff whereas you kind of have to be a bit you know ready to create your own work and open to to uh you know just seeing what's out there and kind of pushing yeah. doors would you be a big believer in in th like what would your give us an idea of your your daily routine with regards to like are you a journaler are you a meditator are you um yeah, well, I definitely I love yoga, so I would try to do yoga every morning. 
um, and, and would usually end in meditation as well. But I love reading. So I generally try and read for maybe half an hour, 45 minutes in the morning as well. Um, in terms of writing, I'm actually, I'm working on a screenplay at the moment. I'm lucky enough to have, um, if you've heard of Emily Horrigan, she's an Irish best-selling writer and she's amazing. She's so talented. Um, I actually started writing, well, I, I wrote the first draft of a script about a year ago and then put it aside. I knew it needed a lot of work and I kind of ended up putting it aside. <clears throat> and then when COVID hit, I thought, why don't I take that script back out and, and see what I can do with it? I was lucky enough then to get Emily Hurricane as a mentor. So I'd write as much as I can every week and send her what I've done. And then we'd get on a Zoom call and just chat about it. And she'd give me her insights on what I've written and um, any advice she has on, you know, some of the characters that I need to dig deeper with or the story, the, the direction it's going and, and how to create more depth in that. So I've been working on, still working on that. I had to kind of give it, put it in the back seat while I was filming Departure. But yeah, I'm determined to kind of get that done. Wow. And do you, how does that work then? Do you, like if you're, if, if you're writing something, do you just sort of put the feelers out to see who might work with you? How did you, how did you get in touch with Emily? How did that work? It was actually my boyfriend. He's so supportive. <laughs> he found, he found details about her online and um, suggested a why why don't you reach out to her and see if she'd be interested in working with you? And it was more, it wasn't even going to be so much as a mentor, more um, just to pick her brain and and sort of like take a masterclass with her. Mm. And the masterclass just turned into, then I started writing and it turned into her just mentoring me ongoing throughout me writing the script. Um, so that's, yeah, that's how it, how it kind of happened at the beginning. That's good to have a fellow like that in your corner. I'd have to, I'd, I'd imagine Florence. Yeah, yeah, no, so unbelievably supportive. It was great. That's great. Um, he could be your agent. I think you should. I know. Him the job <laughs> as your agent. He's got your back there. So, uh, screenwriting and cast and crew. Uh, is there anything, anything else that you're doing that I should know about? <laughs> um, mm. No, acting, yeah, writing, writing the script is kind of the things I'm the busiest with at the moment. Um, I actually filmed a feature film over a year ago called An Extinction. And this is so weird. So, it, so it's called An Extinction. And it starts with this drug re resistant strain of TB in Western Australia. And then the extinction of all human, animal, plant and bacterial life on the planet. So in the story, it's me and my sister trying to dodge the infection. It's an airborne, airborne infection. And it's freakishly similar then to what we're actually all going through now. In, in the movie, we wear the masks and we wear homemade shields. Um, and except obviously this is, you know, like way, way, way worse. But the similarities are just uncanny. Um, I was saying to the director and cinematographer when, when COVID happened, that how weird it is, like we, we literally can take those masks out again. Yeah, there's a picture of you here in an extinction, you're in the back of a station wagon with a knife. Is it weird? I mean, you, you, you made that film, that was a film, but did you get a sense that, uh, were you more freaked out than most people, do you think? Like, because you, you, the possibilities were crazy, you know? 
Um, so I remember at the time, the director uh, and writer, the director who'd also written it, he had based the script on very realistic epidemic research and predictions. So, you know, we knew that it was something that could happen and all like all of the research that they did, it wasn't, it, it wasn't just made up. Uh, they knew that this is something that could happen and, and that's, and that's why they wrote it and that's how they wrote it. But at the same time, I never actually thought that it could happen. Um, but yeah, I think so when it, when, when COVID hit, I think because no one really saw it going in this direction, it seemed like, oh, we'll just go on lockdown for a, for a month. You know, I felt like this will just be a few weeks and then things will start to gradually go back to normal. So yeah, there was never just something hits me like, oh, wow, this is happening. It kind of was a gradual thing and it's just got worse and you're, and you're kind of realizing then a year later that, wow, this is bigger. This is bigger than anybody had thought. It is kind of weird the way you, maybe, maybe it's us as people, you know, we're kind of, we're fed enough information just to keep us going. Like, you know, you know, but, and it, you feel like, you know, the powers that be without getting conspiratorial about it and because it's not a conspiracy, but that almost like they you know, that they want to tell you that, look, this is just for now. And, you know, just lock down for a couple of months and then it'll be grand when they know in fact that this is not going to be a couple of, couple of months, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, I know. You which feel is like a kid. <laughs> which is definitely better, you know. Which is which is better because you I mean if they said to you if they said to us last you know I think it was around Paddy's Day last weekend they said oh look we just need to go into lockdown for a little while if they if they came on the news you know and it was like almost like you know this big announcement that we are going into lockdown for a year you know and <laughs> I think yeah. we would all just start freaking out. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I'd say people just wouldn't do it. They it would just be a refusal. Um, whereas if you're kind of spoon fed and you just seem like this is okay and you've already done the month. So it's kind of like, yeah, you just need to do another month. Um, and then it just turns into a year and you don't even realize what just happened. Yeah. It probably wouldn't have worked if you said, you know, no one's allowed to leave their house for 12 months. People would be going crazy. Because it's kind of like this, this, this crazy scenario has happened and we're in the middle of it, but it kind of crept up. And we didn't notice. Now, now it's just normal. So it's like, you know, nobody's panicking. Nobody's freaking out. Really. We're just kind of like getting on with it. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's so mad that it's been a year and it's, it's just so normal for me as well. If I'm, if I'm leaving the apartment, I just take my mask. Like it's just a second nature thing to walk out and wear a mask. Because I'm, I'm in an apartment building, so even going through the building to leave, I have to wear the mask down the elevator. Yeah, it is second nature, I think, to everybody now. And, and I actually was thinking, um, I don't know why we didn't wear masks in certain places anyway. Like, I was watching something on the telly last night and the guy went into the hospital and it was like, obviously, during normal time. And I was like, why is he going into a hospital without wearing a mask? It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it was like... Like we should have been, we should always be wearing masks in hospital. You know, that just seems because nobody gets flus anymore. Nobody gets, you know, common colds anymore. Yeah, I was actually, I saw in a magazine yesterday. Um, I was just casually kind of looking, flicking through. And then I saw this graph to show each year. So 2016, 17, 18, 19 and 20. And the number of deaths in Canada. Um, so obviously it was over here. And uh, on the graph, there was only a difference in about 3% throughout each year. It was, you know, pretty much exactly the same. On average, the same, the same number uh, each year for the last five years, which is strange without 
turning it into a conspiracy again. Mm. But yeah, like because people are protecting themselves now from any virus and any flu, it's just brought the numbers to kind of the average over the last same, the same as last year and the year before. Yeah, it's insane. Like instead of like getting older people to have flu shots, we could have just said, just wear masks. If you're, yeah. if you're going out and about to be much better off. Yeah. Um, and have you, I, so if, so if you're in Vancouver, then are you managing the website from there and you're doing a bit of writing or is it, and you're not really in lockdown or is it semi-lockdown or how is date? Yeah. Well, Vancouver is not locked down no. at all. Everything, everything is open, luckily. Um, yeah, I was able to run it from here, um, cast and hire, which is it's great. And yeah, just writing away and running the website and 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 prepping for departure. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much me right now. So are you are you into box sets then? Are you are you binging on television? Like like in Ireland here, we're just like anything new. Uh, like it's a sin is a tv show i don't know if you've heard of it by channel four about um the homosexual community in the 80s in london and uh when aids became a thing it's for just very interesting but everybody's like you know once that comes out and people are, everyone's talking about it and then we're all binging on it and it's done in a week and then we're we're looking for something else are you are you um, no. <laughs> is there I any of that going on that's sort of yeah I remember that actually but during during the first lockdown when I was in Ireland that there was those things that everybody in Ireland was talking about like I think it was um normal people at that time yeah everyone was talking about but yeah like I don't maybe it's because I don't know as many people in Canada but yeah that doesn't seem to be a thing here um they're too busy being cool outdoors <laughs> yeah 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 but there's a lot of skiing going on there's a mountain a mountain here so I think yeah people are are out and about a lot more like thank god um yeah it was it was it was definitely really tough and I'm feeling for all my friends in Ireland talking about lockdown it sounds yeah it sounds horrible with the weather and everything at the moment well, today was the first day where I got up in the morning and the skies were blue and the temperatures actually got up to 11 degrees. So it was like, it oh. felt like proper spring. And uh, I think everybody was just like, just everybody just left the house, you know, and we're kind of in midterm yeah. now. So there's a little bit of, we feel like there's a little bit of hope. So what's yeah. the what's the last thing you watched that you could recommend to people? Um. Oh, well, I did watch The Queen's Gambit. That yeah. I adored it so so good um and now i'm currently watching uh, what's called the morning show with jennifer oh, Anderson and, and reese witherspoon it is brilliant i so good. i'm a radio presenter well that's what i kind of did for 20 years and now i do this podcast but um and i just i mean it's i'm so intrigued with the the workings behind like the, everyone's such a bitch like <laughs> Everyone is yeah. out, just out for themselves. It's so harsh, but it's so brilliant. It's oh yeah. Like, so you being a radio presenter, you would be pretty close to um, I don't know what they're going through or their environment. Is it realistic? Well, like we, I worked on a breakfast show with with two other people, and uh, it it kind of finished up a couple of years ago, and you know it was a bit mad the way it finished up. So me watching the morning show is a little bit therapeutic. You know, because you do have sort of, um, you know, bosses, people who are in charge. They're, none of the kind of the the 
the stuff. I don't want to give too much away, but none of the uh, chauvinistic stuff, really. That yeah. not that not that I was aware of, um, but just the kind of the people trying to move and shift positions, and uh, you know, the ultimate, the big boss is calling the shots, and then you know, mm. people stabbing each other in the back. But I thought it was a brilliant representation of what I presume it's like in America with regards to uh, like, I suppose the casting couch to oh, sort yeah. of give it a, a general, uh, a general term, that casting couch thing of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was so, that was hard to watch, you know, it's so, yeah, it's brutal, yeah. brutal television, like, but it's brilliant. And it, it, yeah. I, is that your experience I, of, of, of the, the biz? Not at all, no. Um, but I, I'd say Ireland is definitely very different anyway uh, to the States. Um, I have never experienced anything like that personally. Uh, but yeah, like I, I not to take that away from anybody else because I obviously can see that it is seems to be a very common thing. Uh, but yeah, like luckily I've never I've never been exposed to anything like that. I mean, it just seems crazy that, that the people like that can get away with it, and just and it's it's just down to other people turning turning the blind eye to it, you know. And and yeah, yeah, and watching morning show, like not to give anything away again, but you it kind of shows you like inside of their heads, and um, I don't know, like how predatorial um, people can be without actually realizing it. Yeah, like they were in their bubble doing their thing and everybody was sort of everybody was uh, part of it really like if you know if 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 there was bad things going on there everybody was turning a blind eye um yeah and but but as you said it was all like they were just in their own kind of think bubble just doing their thing and not really it wasn't it wasn't real life or it wasn't real world or nobody was calling them out and yeah the, just sort of a, an abuse of power but without actually you know outright kind yeah. of doing something that you know is illegal yeah it was just so disturbing to watch how it was um how it kind of developed into something it was like oh my god it was really uncomfortable yeah it's kind of like and it's funny it's like that um it's like what we were saying about the pandemic like it it was these gradual things happen and then suddenly you're in the middle of something terrible and or something terrible has happened like there was one storyline with a girl and something absolutely terrible happened to her and you could you could sort of see it and you know party is like shouting at the screen going get, get out of there get out of there but you can yeah. understand why she can't get out of there yeah exactly and then because she isn't then he thinks you know i'm not being told you know i'm not i'm not being told no but it's so obvious that it's a no <laughs> so yeah it, it, it was it was well done to sh- kind of shine a light on that aspect of it for people yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, really, really excellent. Uh, my my wife is watching it now at the moment, so I'm 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 rewatching it with her. And uh, yeah, it's just you, right. should, you could watch it again. It's 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 still good the second time around. Yeah. Book wise, what are you reading? Oh, uh, I was reading Shoe Dog, um, by I think his name is is it Ray Dalio or is that Principles? Shoe Dog. Here we go. So he's the. Uh, He's the founder of Nike. Phil Knight. Nike, N- Nike, you know Nike. Yeah, so he's Phil Knight. Oh, Phil Knight, Phil Knight, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Oh, I was thinking Ray Dalio is the author of um, a book called Principles, which I, that I read before that one. But yeah, Chew Dog is amazing. So good. I was in tears. And I, you're not, it's not actually supposed to be a sad book. Um, it's sort of his autobiography. But he kind of talks about his life towards the end of the book, his personal life. And it was like tears streaming down my face. And my brother had read the book. And I kind of brought up that moment with him. You know, the part of the book when he talks about this. And uh, my brother couldn't even remember that part. He's like, oh yeah, I forgot that it even happened. And it was like the most moving thing. And the only thing I can remember about the whole book. <laughs> and it's not a sad book. He was like, what, you're crying? <laughs> was that more about your state of mind uh, than the actual book? You know? Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Because yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not supposed to be sad. Yeah, it's like watching Coronation Street on a Monday night after a heavy weekend and crying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> Um, and what about uh, okay cool so that's I've got a book recommendation idea as well um, where do you see yourself <laughs> this is an interview where do yeah. you see yourself in five years time <laughs> um, yeah well sure I'm looking forward to departure coming out at the end of the year um, for sure I'm really looking forward to an extinction I think that's going to be received really well um, it was it's a beautiful film really well written Um and I went in to do ADR about a year ago in the studio, you know, the, the dialect replacement or dialogue mm. replacement. Um, and it looks great as well. So I'm really looking forward to that being released this year. Um, yeah, other than that, finishing my script and um, yeah, just looking forward to my next projects. Hollywood then, Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah, definitely. That sort of seems to be where most of the work is. So yeah, for sure. Great, great. Well, look, we look forward to um, Departure coming out and... Uh, and Extinction, yeah. And Extinction. And that will just remind us of lockdown. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll, maybe it'll make people feel relieved that it didn't actually end the same way. Yeah, it's a very Irish sort of mother thing. Could have been a lot worse. It could have been yeah. a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, the bright side. Could have been a lot worse. Listen, thank you very much for your time and best of luck with everything. And, yeah. Uh, it was lovely to talk to you and best of luck. And when you go to Vancouver now, will you have to, um, sorry, you're going to Toronto. Will you have to stay in a hotel for two weeks or do any of that kind of self-quarantining? Uh, no. So luckily there's no quarantining between the States here, but yeah, I'll probably stay in I don't know, an Airbnb or a hotel um, just while I finish up the shoot and for then sure. back here. You'll be well looked after. Listen, lovely to meet you and lovely to talk to you and best of luck with everything. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was great to chat. I didn't I didn't call her flow at the end. We weren't we weren't best friends. But we had a good chat and I didn't want to be, you know, creepy weirdo. There's enough creepy weirdos in the industry as it is. I didn't want to be Mr. Creepy Weirdo. Um so Florence it is. But thank you very much to Florence Ardesh. Really enjoyed chatting to her. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. And watch out for watch out for an extinction. Watch out for uh, departure and uh, yeah she's going to be she's already very successful but uh, you will see a lot more of her uh, in the coming months weeks years so watch out watch out world Florence or my my friend Flo she's coming to get you don't say you weren't warned okay did I look up the Christopher Plummer fact about the 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 Oscar win? Of course I did. And what happened? My internet just died. 
Uh, Christopher Plummer, 84th Academy Awards, Best Supporting Actor winner, 2012, for the movie Beginners, of course. Of course, there you go. Um, he is the oldest, the oldest man, the oldest person to win an Oscar. Just trying to figure out 2012. What age was he? Why isn't anybody telling me his age? Come on, God damn it. 82. What? Christopher Plummer, 82, won Best Supporting. Holy moly, he was 82 in 2012. So he was still acting and will appear in The Departure with Florence Ardèche at the age of 90, 91, 92. What a man. What a man. Anyway, uh, that's the fact there that I needed to look up. I don't know if there was any, was there any other? There was, there was something about Martin Scorsese being the wife of the person who wrote the book, The Artist's Way, which I can't remember now. Could have been. Hey, Google it, do you know what I mean? Google it. Uh, anyway, that's it for me. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Florence Ardesh. I've got to go and edit my chat with Mike and get that up. If you uh, haven't listened to the... If you're a new listener, very, you're very welcome. You should listen to my chats with Mike. They go up every Monday. And uh, we have a good old... Just a good old natter about stuff. Uh, what did we talk... Actually, we talked a lot about the, the royal family um, in a sort of a... In a... Of a you know, in a way, we did. We definitely talked about them, but we came at it from a, a sort of a personal angle. And uh, yeah, we had a good old chat about. Why is my? I need to turn my iPad off. Apologies, guys. I'm so sorry. We had a good old chat about paparazzi because uh, he worked in, as I may have mentioned, he used to work in hotels in London. So we were talking about paparazzis, and, you know, hotel where take that we're staying and all that kind of stuff. Um, my, as you'll hear, my nephew Liam, who listens to the podcast, big fan, had suggested that I ask Mike had he any good paparazzi stories. So there you go, he does, and then some. Um, that's it for me. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends. Do remember to subscribe and give us an owl rating, five star rating, if you wouldn't mind, and donate. Yeah, using the supporter link in the description of the podcast, you can donate a few quid. That will go towards getting an animation made of clip of the podcast one or two depends on how much money we raise it could take us a year but we look we're going to be patient we will be patient um anyway thanks as always for listening really appreciate it and don't forget any questions at all email the show uh it's keithwatchpod at gmail.com email anytime i'm i'm there 24 hours a day waiting come on in my wife is is, is gonna is gonna kick me out now. She needs something. Uh, I'm I just watch basically look at emails coming in twenty four hours a day. So you can email me anytime. I'll get straight back to you within twenty four hours. Okay. Good luck. Goodbye. Take care. So long. Farewell. Happy to say goodbye to me to you and something something something.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.